and welcome to Not So Molly Welcome, welcome. I'm almost about to start singing that primary hymn, or not primary, but uh, just hymn in general, but I'm not going to. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> welcome, brothers and sisters. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. And we just got finished recording our very first video recording. And uh, it's going up on actually might be up by the time this airs so if you want to see us being awkward in all of our glory (laughs) go over to patreon and you can see us and um experience some of uh i don't know a visual not so molly mormon (laughs) (laughs) which sums us up perfectly it's like a train wreck you just can't stop watching but you're also intrigued that's us (laughs) So go check it out because we're awkward as hell, but it's great. It's good times. We talk about some fun stuff and also we play a lovely little game as well, which is the second time we've done this, maybe Mm -hmm. third on uh, Patreon. So yeah, if you guys are interested, check it out because also we put on makeup, you guys. (laughs) We put on makeup, we washed our hair, brushed our hair. And we put on a bra, but full disclosure, I just barely whipped mine off. (laughs) I know. I was like, God damn it. I want to go ahead and take mine off. I'll do it later. It's too much effort now. Um, Yeah. So that was, that, that's our Monday. Woohoo. Monday. Happy family home evening. (laughs) Happy family home evening. Uh, You know, also speaking of like putting on makeup. I realized the other day, it's pretty shitty now that I don't wear makeup rarely ever. Like, I mean, I'm talking like, if that, maybe twice a month since the whole unfortunate COVID. Mm-hmm. I spent so much goddamn money on makeup and time oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. effort. And I'm just like, I, I'm I'm baffled. I'm baffled. That's what yeah, I Yeah, so much money and time saved with uh, makeup and like hair products and even just for me you know trips to the salon because I haven't yeah. been doing that so you know and like we were talking about um, even like going to get a manicure or a pedicure I haven't done that since February so money saved I guess <laughs> I know I'm saving so much money and realizing like it's it's been quite good. At, at first, it was rough on the self esteem, where I was like, "Ooh, like me not wearing makeup is rough." And now I'm just like, "Nah, it's good. Like it's yeah. fine. Like it's nice to have on makeup and you feel pretty and and confident. But it's also nice to not have on makeup and still feel pretty and confident. Yeah, so. it's, it's nice to not be dependent on it to think that you're ugly without it because that's not how it should be. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's my random tangent for the day. You're welcome, everyone. And I'm not apologizing for it anymore because a wise listener told me not to apologize for being chatty. And I'm not. So, mm, (laughs) whatever. So, today's topic, we decided to just bite the bullet and go read through some of the most recent general conference talks, October 2020. And we each uh, decided we would maybe pick one. I don't know. Did you pick one, Sarah, to kind of go over? Girl, I picked four. Oh, shit. I only picked one. (laughs) But that's okay, because I didn't, I don't want to go into like, detail and like read there there's one that I will do quite a few quotes from because it's just so gross not to but the other ones are just more of like they all tie in together kind of okay I um I wonder if I picked one of the four that you're going to reference because I pulled from the from mine the main quotes that were icky to me I don't have the whole talk here because that would take far too long they're pretty Mm. Uh, redundant, I would say. <laughs> yeah, they're just pretty disgusting in their uh, language in general and brainwashing. But like today when I was going through them, I was like, oh, I feel so icky. Yeah. And also I was just like, it brought back all those memories because when you watch conference, 
it is like this calming feeling. I think it's just the monotone voices it's, that are talking. It's how they me. speak, totally. The how they speak yeah. and the hymns from the tabernacle choir in there. And it's, yeah, it's curated to make you feel calm, which they equate to you feeling the Holy Ghost or the Spirit when it's just, it's just how it's produced, actually. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then it actually, it's just so crazy. I know we've talked about this so many times because I think this is now like the sixth or seventh uh, episode that we have talking about General Conference since we started recording. But um, it's just, it's every time when we look at these talks, I'm blown away at how when you look at them without the rose-colored Mormon glasses, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. how absolutely bonkers these talks are and like how how much of brainwashing it is and repetitiveness to get you to like, like drilling it into your head. And it's just so much bullshit. Sarah, you're so right. I was thinking about that as well. I remember when I was watching conference, when I was a Mormon, I would either be a like touched and felt like I felt the spirit or be just bored. Yeah. And now it doesn't matter. It's, it's, almost any sentence or any phrase that they're saying, I can just tell how much it is dripping with bullshit. It's crazy how I didn't see it before. I just maybe thought, oh, this is a little mundane or this is an old person or, oh, wow, they're so spiritual. I never thought that they were full of lies and they are. It's crazy. And it's also just like you you don't notice how repetitive they are because, you know, obviously it's brainwashing. You're right. Until you, again, you, you read them with a different perspective or watch them with a different perspective. Whereas before, you're always taught that every single conference is new and fresh because it's revelation <laughs> to the prophets and you'll learn something new and blah, blah, blah. So you think that that's what it is, that every conference will be something new. But when you actually look at the talks from an ex-Mormon point of view, or just not even ex, just any non-Mormon point of view, you're just like, what? It's just the same shit over and over again. It's the same thing over and over again. Maybe slightly softened in the language of maybe hatred over time, but not by a ton. (laughs) It's so crazy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So how about you start with, um, one of yours that you picked. Okay. So speaking of the same shit all the time and just over and over, I picked Nelson. So President Russell <laughs> Nelson's talk, A New Normal. <laughs> oh, my God. I saw this one and it was so cringe. Um, I didn't pick it, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> well, I just, I couldn't even, like, I, I started going through it, and I was like, ugh, God, barf. So I, I, I'm not even going to, like, pull out most of it. It's just I wanted to, to highlight a few points. Okay. And uh-huh. basically, as soon as I saw a new normal, I was like, ugh, God, this is going to be talking about how, you know, like, this has been prophesied and that we are in a time that's like no other, which is something we've been told for since the beginning of the Mormon church. Like, they always say that. Every single generation is the chosen, different generation. And we're getting so much closer to the second coming. And can't you tell this is all so different from before? That's what every single generation is told. Yeah, exactly. And so, okay, I'm just going to start. I'm just going to read a bit. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this. But so he starts with, we live in a glorious age foreseen by prophets for centuries. Oh, God, of course. (laughs) And then, of course, this line, this is the dispensation when no spiritual blessing will be withheld from the righteous. Despite the world's commotion, the Lord would have us look forward to the future with joyful anticipation. So again, this positive toxicity. Yeah, like you have to just constantly be positive. Look towards the future. If you're righteous, you'll be okay. Don't concern yourself with the the heart. Oh my God, I can't speak. The harm that is happening to everyone. Yeah, exactly. It's like no matter what horrible or unfortunate, really just 
saddening things that are happening in your life, you just need to be like, oh, it's fine. Put your shoulder to the wheel, move along, right? <laughs> yep, yep. Um, I saw, I don't know if he mentions it in this talk, but I did see somewhere, I don't know if it was this talk or a different one, you might get to it, where he mentions social media. Like, oh, he, I did see that one, but I can't, I don't think I, I think it might have been in actually the women's session because he says, like, there's been a storm of negativity on social media with everyone being negative. But you, sisters in Christ, you can post uplifting and, you know, promoting the church material on social media, basically saying, like, shut up about racism and COVID. Like, oh, ugh. God, anyway. right off. Yeah, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to read <laughs> these next two to three paragraphs, because I want you to pick up on the swift change and transition that he makes in this talk to, okay. to lead the focus of the narrative, right? Okay. So, um, the challenge for you and me is to make certain that each of us will achieve his or her, her divine potential. Today, we often hear about a new normal. If you really want to embrace a new normal, I invite you to turn your heart, mind, and soul increasingly to our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Let that be your new normal. Embrace your new normal by repenting daily. Seek to be increasingly pure in thought, word, and deed. Minister to others. Keep an internal perspective. Magnify your callings. And whatever your challenges, my dear brothers and sisters, leave, live each day so that you are more prepared to meet your maker. That is why we have temples. The Lord ordinances and covenants prepare us for eternal life, the greatest of all God's blessing. As you know, the COVID pandemic required a temporary closure of our temples. I'm going to stop there because it now just goes on to talk about temples. For the How rest of the absolutely insensitive and tone deaf is this garbage? Exactly. It's crazy. Like they're talking about the new normal of everyone trying to literally stay alive in a global pandemic. And he has to make it about their church and spreading the gospel and about their temples. The what? Temp- it, it, I, my mind, when I read that, I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I actually, to be fair, I went into this talk thinking with like a sliver of hope <laughs> that they would address the pandemic and uh-huh. say something positive and say, you know, help each other out by social distancing, by wearing your mask, blah, 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 blah. But no, of course not. His solution is to go to the temples more and to talk about how many temples are opening and how important temples are and basically, i.e., give us more money so that we can continue to build these temples. Yeah, and going to a temple right now is the opposite of what you should be doing. Exactly. And serving a mission, which I cannot believe. I've seen on my personal social media that, like, parents posting their kids going on a mission. And I'm like, what? Like, Are they going right- global pandemic. You should They're know going right now. now. I didn't know they were going right now. I knew that they had sent some of the missionaries home. When when did they do that? Back in May, maybe? But now they're going back out? Yeah, so I have, um, I won't say who, but someone on my social media posted that their daughter went on a mission, and they, like, just posted a video that their mission zone, what is it called, whatever, like, produced this video of, like, um, well, I don't want to get to the details in case by chance they ever listen to this podcast, but basically just showing that they, they sent off their daughter on a mission like a few weeks ago and like her zone, like produced this video. What? Yeah. Yeah. And I saw another person post about like sending off, I, I don't know who it was, but sending like a family member off on a mission. Wow. Wow. So he's talking about the new normal, but not addressing anything that's actually happening to help people. It's about missionary work and temples. Yep. Great. That's fantastic. Because that's going to help in a global pandemic. Not listening like, hey, you have, you know, however many million people listening to around the world. Let's instead of actually using logic and science and say like, hey, let's not 
go to church and like, let's, you know, stay away from temples and so practice social distancing. No, no, they're going to say, go to temples, go on a mission. And also I keep seeing that, you know, on social media again, like so many people saying like, oh, we haven't been able to worship in several months and today's been the first day. And I'm like, oh, why? You shouldn't be going. <laughs> like, yeah, I, um, I actually spoke with my mom yesterday, um, which, yeah, yesterday was a Sunday and she said she was going to church and I, I didn't know what to respond because I was like, I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't get why people are doing it, especially like when you can worship just as effectively at home. Um, but it's because they're told that they need like the power of the priesthood and yada, yada, yada. They don't have the power enough at home to like bless their bread or water, I guess. But I don't know. It's just, just crazy. It, I find it so irresponsible. And, and my oh, mom said the same. I, it wasn't this past weekend, but I believe the weekend before we were on the phone. It was a Sunday as well. And she was saying, oh, you know, I just came home from church. And I was Ooh. like, I kind of got into it a bit. Like, I felt like I had to scold her like a child. And, I, you know, I, we both love our mothers very much. And yeah. it was just, I'm just concerned with her safety. At the end of the day, I don't care okay. if she goes to church. Like, you know, everyone has to do what they think is best. And for my mom, she has her personal reasons for going to church. And I'm just like, I don't want her to convert me. I'm not going to try to convert her not to be Mormon. But at the same time, I was just annoyed because of her health. She's older, oh, and I, I was just care. yeah. I don't care if people go. I mean, I care just because I don't want them to be duped and to have yeah, their yeah, same. Yeah. But it's like okay, if that's your that's your choice. But during a global pandemic, I care about you and I want you to live. And you're nearing the age where you're in that very vulnerable zone of the older people. And I don't want you to die unnecessarily. So please don't go to crowded areas. That's, that's simple. As that. <laughs> and that's the thing. And like, I, I really like, it, it made me nervous and like anxious. And like, it took me a while. Like now I'm even more paranoid and like checking in on my mom because I'm like, I know you're going to church, you're the organist, you're playing, like you're touching a lot of stuff. Like, so I had to really be like, are you washing your hands? Are you wearing a mask? Are you sanitizing the organ? Like, are you, you know, and I just think it's so unnecessary. And, you know, if, if all else, like we have a lot of issues with the Mormon church, but I just really, really hope that during the situation, they would have used their platform to tell people, okay, actually, you know, we can still worship from home. Let's not go in. And I just find it so irresponsible that they haven't done that. I know. I know. I agree, especially because they very easily could and everyone would follow, especially from the mouth of the prophet himself. Yes, exactly. Anyways, what is your talk? Which one did you choose? I hope it's <laughs> one of the ones that I have too. I picked one that was titled All Nations, Kindreds, and Tongues by Elder Garrett W. Gong. Oh, we I almost picked that one, but we're okay. So the other ones that I picked are right on topic. I picked uh sustainable society <gasps> that was literally the next one I almost picked that one yep that was my next and step. uh the culture of Christ oh yep uh, yep I read that one too <laughs> yep and then the last one is from the women's conference um Dallin H. Oaks be of good cheer ew uh, that was the first yeah. one I read and it made me feel icky. yeah okay cool <laughs> so then they overlap because the the two first two I read or along the same topic where they're, yeah. yeah. I'll <laughs> let you start off. Okay. So I his talk was really long and very repetitive. Like Sarah said, they're all pretty repetitive. So I just pulled some of the most yucky things from it. But the most jaw-dropping parts for me. Okay. So he begins with saying... Dear brothers and sisters, I recently officiated a temple ceiling following COVID-19 guidelines with the bride and groom, both faithful return missionaries, were their parents and all their siblings. This was not easy because the bride is the ninth of 10 children. Her nine siblings sat in order, oldest to youngest, socially distanced, of course, but it's like, I don't know, he just starts it this way and I'm already mad. I'm already like... 
totally had the same reaction. As soon as I read it, I was like, Ugh. I'm like, just, okay, don't do temple weddings right now. Also, there's 10 children plus the parents plus the whole other side of the family plus the couple plus the officiator you should not be having that many people in a tiny little ceiling room okay then uh, even if you're you're six feet apart there's circulating air in there anyway whatever I'm getting annoyed already so okay (laughs) it just it gets worse he says the family had sought to be good neighbors wherever they lived however One community had been unwelcoming because their family were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Fucking persecution complex. He's like, our neighbors didn't like us because we were Mormon. No, maybe they just are like keeping to themselves. Maybe they're not always up in everyone's business like Mormons are. Or maybe you're annoying to them because you're constantly trying to get in their business and there's a pandemic happening. Like <laughs> Exactly. Like I, I totally wrote down that theme as well throughout most of the talks of like, Oh, Latter-day Saints are martyrs. They're like always persecuted and everyone picks on them. And it's like, that's ugh. not true. That's just not true. Like, I know people say that we bully Mormons, but we point out the shit that the leaders and the church does that kind of like, make the culture of Mormonism and make the church bad and the doctrine bad. We don't actually just sit and like, if we had a Mormon neighbor, we wouldn't be mean to them by any means. It's just crazy. And it's not Um, bullying. Like you said, it's, it's calling them out on the truth. Like that's, So he says, the family did everything they could to make friends at school, contribute and be accepted, but to no avail. The family prayed and prayed that their neighbors' hearts would soften. Oh, God, I just can't. Okay, this is where I, my jaw went to the floor. He says, one night, the family felt their prayers were answered, though in a very unexpected way. Their house caught fire and burned to the ground. But something else happened. The fire softened their neighbors' hearts. Their neighbors... Yeah, listen, their neighbors and local school gathered clothes, shoes, and other necessities needed by the family who had lost everything. Kindness opened understanding. It was not the way the family hoped or expected their prayers to be answered. However, they expressed gratitude for what they learned through hard experiences and unexpected answers to heartfelt prayers. Oh, my God. Who the fuck? Like, oh... Thank you, Celestial Jesus, for letting my house burn down so that I could have nice neighbors. Like, what the most bizarre thing? And it's just, first of all, stupid, because I think no matter like if if my neighbor's house burned down, even if I didn't know them or perhaps even if I didn't like them, I would do anything I could to help them. So this isn't just like, oh, God showed us that your house burned down. So now our hearts are softened to you. It's like, no, your community was probably already great anyway, because people are usually good to each other. Right. It's like, but then they're turning it and making it this religious, spiritual thing. And it's like, also what kind of God would do that? Like if he wanted to soften their hearts, he could have just softened their hearts. He didn't need to burn your house down. Yeah, for real. And what if like, I just can't even, you know, this is also just showing like the privilege in this, this talk as well as like reeking of it, you know, that's like saying like, God, answer your prayer. It's okay. You can build a new house. It's not a big deal. Like, da da da. what if you weren't in a situation like that? And yeah, you have health or like house insurance or fire insurance, but everyone has a different plan, has a different situation. Like, Maybe they couldn't just quickly rebuild a house or get, you know what I mean? There's, or someone yeah. could have died in the fire. Like, I know it reeks of <sighs> Yes. Okay. So then he kind of gets into this area of his talk where he's pretty much boasting about how widespread and popular the church is, like claiming how many members they have in different countries. And he says, President Russell M. Nelson calls the Book of Mormon a, quote, miraculous miracle, which I just thought was funny. Miraculous miracle. 
redundant, okay? Um, its witnesses testify, be it known unto all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people. Today, general conference is available in a hundred languages. President Nelson has testified of Jesus Christ and his restored gospel in 138 nations and counting. And then he goes on to say by like doing missionary work and by bringing the gospel to everyone in the world that they're fulfilling prophecy, right? And so then he gives all these really insensitive um, examples of different people from different countries of supposedly participating in the gospel. And he says, an African sister said to me, my husband priesthood service makes him more patient and I am becoming a better wife and mother because of it. Uh, Ew, okay. Um, uh, and then this is where I got really, really mad. He says, a young boy in South America raises chickens and sells their eggs to help buy windows for the house his family is building, but he pays his tithing first. He will literally see the windows of heaven open. Wow, that's sickening. It was so gross. This poor little boy has to raise chickens and sell eggs, but then give money to a church that does not need his money. A church which all the fucking money they have should be helping that little boy have Mm -hmm. a house with windows instead of saying, hey, go work your ass off and then still give us 10% of that so that you can have windows for your house. Yep. (laughs) Wow. And then the last example I'll share that he gave of like this kind of stuff is he said, a survivor of bitter civil war, a brother in Southeast Asia despaired that life had no meaning. He found hope in a dream in which a former classmate held a sacrament tray and testified of saving ordinances and the atonement of Jesus Christ. Like, what? I just, and he just gave a lot of those examples, basically of, you know, like colonizing. You're asking them to give you money in, and then I guess in return, they get quote unquote salvation. So it's all very messed up and I yeah I hated it so that was all I wrote down from it though because a lot of it was just him repeating himself over and over about how many countries they've gone to and stuff yep um it's yeah I mean like we've already talked about it's all the same shit like all of this stuff can be seen in almost every single um one of the talks like Mm -hmm. and just another Like I said, I won't go into detail of all of these, but just reading a few quotes that you don't even have to, you don't even have to set the background. Like there's (laughs) no context that needs to. Um, gives at the women's conference. So for listeners who um, didn't grow up Mormon, this you have general conference, which is two sessions on Saturday, so morning and uh, afternoon session. And then that Saturday you have priesthood session and then women's conference, which I'm not sure if that's on a Saturday night as well. I think so, but honestly, I could be wrong. It's been a long time. Either way, they, they split. The two. So the priesthood has their priesthood session, which is all men, and then the women have their conference. And then on Sunday, you have again morning and afternoon sessions. So this is one from just the women's conference. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I read this, I was just like, oh, this reeks of like the positive toxicity, like everything. Like it doesn't matter what you're going through, you just need to be happy and be of good cheer. Um, so I'm just going to quote a few, um, which also, yeah, yikes. (sighs) As you know, the mortal adversities of which I speak, which make it difficult to be of good cheer, sometimes come to us in common with uh, many others, like the millions now struggling through some of the many devastating effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Similarly, in the United States, millions are suffering through a season of in, 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 oh my God, I can't speak, 
mm-hmm. um, and contention that always seems to accompany presidential elections. Oh but my this, God. But this time is the most severe many of the oldest of us can even remember. Maybe because we're all sick of this shit that keeps happening in the government. Maybe that's why. Yep, but you know, they say that the church doesn't take any affiliation with politics in any way. But clearly, what else is he saying? Like, if they weren't making a statement, then he just wouldn't address politics or the presidential election. I know. Yeah, and they, um, I've seen how they address, like, you should never, yeah, like, riot or loot or whatever. And it's just like, ew, no. Yep. Uh-uh. And then, okay, so we're going to get into, like, how white privilege this is and also how dismissive I just it made me so angry he says on a personal basis each of us struggles individually with some of the many adversities um, of mortality such as poverty racism ill health job losses or disappointments wayward children (gasps) bad marriages or no marriages and the effects of sin our own or others Yet, in the midst of all of this, we have that heavenly counsel to be of good cheer and to find joy in the principles and promises of the gospel and the fruits of our labors. That counsel has been so for prophets and for all of us. We have, we know this from the experience of our predecessors and what the Lord said to them. Remember, the circumstances of prophet Joseph Smith looked at through the lens of adversities His life was of poverty, persecution, frustration, family sorrows, and ultimate martyrdom. And he suffered imprisonment. His wife and children and the other saints suffered incredible hardships as they were driven out of Missouri. Like, I couldn't, like, at that point, I literally just had to stop because I'm like, wow, he's so dismissive of all of these other elements, like what he mentions. You know, uh, poverty, racism, bad health, unemployment. I mean, of course, he goes on to like wayward children and basically. (laughs) That's us. (laughs) Exactly. But the first few points, you're like, oh, great. He's going to like actually, you know, talk about some relevant stuff. But then he just quickly dismisses it by saying, yep. And in the middle of all this, you still just got to be joyful and happy. Because remember, so even if you're experiencing racism, just be happy anyways. Joseph Smith had it worse than you. Yeah, exactly. Joseph even Smith was a criminal. A criminal. And a white man. Yeah, a pedophile, a criminal, a con artist, like a white man who never experienced the like any type of racism or struggles in that sense. Like, no. Uh, yeah. That is- Ew, that's gross. Mm-hmm. But then... But happy, be of good cheer. <laughs> oh, it's so gross. It's so gross. Um, okay, so I know we're running out of time a bit, but I just... this These two, uh, it just... It, it made me so angry when I read them. Um, and they're kind of along the same lines of what we just talked about. But, okay, so this one is The Culture of Christ by older mm-hmm. William K. Jackson. Okay. And he starts off, what a magnificent world we live in and share, home to a great diversity of peoples, language, customs, and histories. Spread they, out. They're all trying to reiterate. Sorry for interrupting you, but I'm yeah. just, I like saw in so many of these, they're trying to portray an image of extreme diversity and inclusion. And they are not like, but all of them are saying stuff like, we have so many different cultures and ethnicities, yeah. so many nations and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you don't. You have a little bit here and there and mostly white. So Exactly. Ah. And they've never, I mean, you know, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but it's just an overkill. They've never even had talks talking about diversity and shared cultures and shit like this it's just because they're trying to get their publicity in the good light and because they can't admit that they're racist and that they you know were wrong for their past doings because if they do that then they admit that their prophets actually aren't prophets of god yeah so now they're just trying to make up for it by having all these talks about diversity and 
inclusivity, which is just bullshit because then they quickly go on. Like he, he talks about all of this stuff and then everyone that talks, they, they are like, Oh yeah, culture is so great. And then it goes into, this is me reading again from this same quote. (laughs) It may seem that culture is so heavily embedded in our thinking and behavior that it is impossible to change. It is, after all, much of what we feel defines us and from what we feel a sense of identity. It can be such a strong influence that we can fail to see the man-made weaknesses or flaws in our own cultures, resulting in a reluctance to throw off some of the traditions of our fathers. An overfixation of one's cultural identity may lead to the rejection of worthwhile, even godly ideas, attributes, and behavior. What? So basically, they're saying if you don't have a white culture, you should get rid of that. Like it's going to, you know, it's it leads to man-made weaknesses and it has a strong influence on you and you should. Yeah. And it's not godly. Yeah. Nope. Um, and he even goes on to use like a racist example of a guy he met in Singapore. And I'm oh. not even I, I can't even like get into it. It's just like baffling. Um and um yeah it's just... so cringy and it's really problematic i just i really feel like it it just it's so dishonest too because this is i guess giving many of the mormons who listen an idea that they think that their church is very inclusive and very diverse when in fact it's not and they also give the you know, give the members the idea that the church is really large and that they have so many members, but really they're less than like 2% of the entire world is Mormon. I think it's, yeah, very, very, very small. So it's just, it just feels very um, manipulative when they talk about things like this and then they still have their racist Book of Mormon, you know? Yeah, and they also, like, it's not it's not like they're saying, hey, like, we have this really great diverse church where, you know, our, our church exists in all these different countries, and we are happy that you can be, or we're encouraging that you can be Mormon and keep your tradition. It's like, no, they want you to be Mormon and lose all of your culture and traditions, because if they don't align with the strict teachings of Mormon doctrine— then you yeah. can't do it. Yeah. That's uh, so sad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So last one, which is again, kind of the same thing. Um, it's called sustainable societies by older D Todd Christofferson. Yeah. It's bad. Um, he starts off. If enough of us and enough of our neighbors strive to guide our lives by the truth of God, the moral virtues needed in every society will abound. What a beautiful choir singing of the beautiful Savior. In 2015, the United Nations adopted what was called the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. It was described as a shared blueprint for peace and prosperity for people and the planet now and into the future. Blah, blah, blah. So the Agenda for Sustainable Development includes 17 goals to be achieved by the year 2030, such as no poverty, zero hunger, quality, education, gender equality, clean water and sanitation, and decent work. So again, I'm like, ah, start off thinking this could be a decent talk. Like maybe he's going to urge people to like practice more. <laughs> that was weird. It sounded like I farted, but it was just what I did with my mouth. Oh, I was yeah. going to say that totally sounded like a fart. That was it like- did. It was like this weird thing I did with my mouth when I was trying. Oh, God. That's what happens when you turn 32. Your body just stops. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so then he goes on. And so basically he starts with anciently, the great patriarch and prophet Enoch preached righteousness and built a city that was called the city of holiness, even Zion. So he takes this whole plan, the agenda for sustainable development and turns it into like talking about the city of Zion because they were one apart and one mind and dwelt in righteousness and there were no poor among them. And then he says the first and second century peoples in the Western hemisphere known as Nephites and Lamanites provide another outstanding example of a flourishing society. 
Yeah. So again, you know, obviously no respect to Native Americans or indigenous people at all, like completely rewriting their history and yeah. and going on to say that like he goes, uh, uh, let me let me just sum this up. Basically talking about like societies are they're two examples that are sustained by blessings of heaven. So you have like love, you know, love God and then love your neighbors. And he's like, unfortunately, as Elder Quentin L. Cook noted this morning, the ideal society described in 4th Nephi of the Book of Mormon did not endure beyond its second century. Sustainability is not guaranteed and a thriving society can fail in time if it abandons the cardinal virtues that uphold its peace and prosperity. In this case, yielding to the temptations of the devil the people began to be divided into classes and they began to build up churches into themselves to get gain and began to deny the true church of Christ. And it came to pass that there were 300 years had passed away. Both the people of Nephi and Lamanites had become exceedingly wicked, one like unto the other. <sighs> By the end of another so, century. It's yeah. so crazy listening to this, like, because before I really wouldn't have thought much about it but hearing you say this I'm like this is all just fantasy land yeah None of this is real like why do they believe this shit and it's like and then it gets even more scary because so you know they're rewriting history again being completely dismissive of Native American and of the like their history and as actual factual history and then he goes on where it's like he wants Again, it's what scares me is that Mormons and even other Christians like forcing their beliefs, these Christian yeah. Mormon into society. And so he, he goes on to say the institutions of family and religion have been crucial for endowing both individuals and communities with the virtues that sustain an enduring society. These virtues rooted in scripture include integrity, responsibility, and accountability, compassion, marriage, and fidelity and marriage, Ew. respect for others and the property of others, service, and the necessity and dignity of work among others. No, 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 Todd. Um, that's his name, right, Todd? Yeah. <laughs> that, those things are not rooted in religion. At all. You do not have to be religious to do any of those things. Like, that is, ah, why do they feel like they can just take things like that and, like, they own it? You have to be religious if you want to be a good person. And that they they associate any type of decline, I'm doing, quote, decline in society, is because there's a lack of religion. Like, he even, he, he says that. He says the perceived importance of religion and religious faith has declined in many nations in recent years. A growing number of people consider that belief in and allegiance to God are not needed for moral uprightness, uprightness in either individuals or societies in today's world. I think we would all agree that those who profess no religious belief can be and often are good moral people. We would not agree, however, that this happens without divine influence. I am referring to the light of Christ. The Savior declareth, I am the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Whether aware of it or not, every man, woman, and child of every belief, place, and time is imbued with the light of Christ and therefore possesses the sense of right and wrong we often called conscious. So fuck off. You know what? Don't don't tell me where my sense of right and wrong comes from, because it definitely doesn't come from a Christian God. Okay, like that is so freaking assumptive and just inappropriate. Don't tell everyone that they are. No, like you might not believe this, but actually you wouldn't know right or wrong if it wasn't for my God. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't be good unless you're religious. Like. You you don't have quote unquote morality unless you're religious somehow. So that's and it's that's just so stupid. Ugh. And then this is the worst one that got my blood like really. <laughs> he says a society, for example, in which individual consent is the only constraint on sexual activity, is a society in decay. Adultery, <gasps> yeah, adultery, promiscuity, promiscuity, promiscuity. Promiscuous? I don't know how to turn that into um, an pr- Promiscuity? Yeah, I think that's it. 
<laughs> Speaking of hard, out of wedlock births oh, and elective abortions are but some of the bitter fruits that grow out of the ongoing sexual revolution follow on consequences that work against sustainability of a healthy society include growing numbers of children raised in poverty and without the positive influence of fathers sometimes through multiple generations he is terrible also i think he's using the word sexual revolution in lieu of like women's liberation i'll just say like if a woman you know oh how dare she she might want to experience sex before marriage she is labeled as promiscuous oh how dare someone get pregnant and not want to marry the person that they got pregnant with oh my god that like this is also um just very patriarchal and and 1950s sounding like the sexual yeah. revolution what it's just people having autonomy over their sexuality yep and also the fact that he's like again trying to blame like women and you know quote unquote women liberation for and when he says um the growing numbers of children raised in poverty and without <sighs> the positive influence oh sorry I had a burp of a father's like, no, that's that's because of a broken system. That's right. If you really care about that, if you really care about that and you really care about, quote unquote, all lives matter, uh, like then maybe start by addressing the deep rooted systemic problems that keep people of color and poor people down and exactly. cause mass incarceration and then just the the problem keeps repeating it's has nothing nothing absolutely nothing to do with women's liberation or people being free to have sex however they choose it has nothing to do with anything um about poverty and children in poverty and how you know like he says how it's you know terrible that kids are raised without fathers and like yes that's sad and all but it's just like this whole idea that keeps being shoved down their throats of like, you have to be the traditional family. You have to have a mother and a father. Like what if the mother and father didn't work out? What if the father died? Like there are all these different situations or heaven forbid, it's a gay couple. Like there are all these situations where like people can still flourish and they're not, you know, it's like, imagine being a Mormon and hearing that and you only have one parent. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. I just always think that. Like, imagine, like, these children who are in situations like this or parents who are, like, feeling guilty that, you know, oh, yeah, I am just a single parent. Or kids just thinking, like, oh, I only have one parent. Like, does that mean I'm less righteous? Like, does that mean I'm inherently evil because I was born out of wedlock? Like, it's just medieval shit, you know? Yeah. uh, Yeah. Right. And it just makes people feel bad about themselves. Nothing he was saying there is helpful to anyone. It makes people feel bad about themselves and it also oppresses people and makes them feel guilty or shameful. There's nothing good about what he said there. Nope. I mean, yeah, I'm not even I couldn't even go on anymore. Like I had to stop at that point because I had reached my limit and was like, okay, I can't. I can't ruin my my Monday like this because I'm just <laughs> yeah. so annoyed. But it's just disgusting. And it's it's like, you know, we can sit here and we call out the truths and call out how absolutely absurd and ridiculous it is. But then, you know, Mormons are going to twist it and say, no, 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 you didn't interpret it correctly. Like, he was meaning this. <laughs> we took it out of context. Yeah, exactly. No, like, um, <laughs> have you seen the meme where that someone made right after general conference about Jesus being born out of wedlock. So he's apparently a bitter fruit. According <laughs> yeah, to- I did see that. <laughs> I thought that was so funny because it's so true. It's like Mary was supposedly a virgin and that wasn't Joseph's son, supposedly. So like. <laughs> exactly. And as <laughs> far as we know, Mary wasn't married to God. So. <laughs> I know, right? Was she? Yeah, not as far as we know. Who knows? Oh. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's just all ridiculous. Anyways, sorry guys. We 
hopefully you're not traumatized by this episode. Um, yeah, yeah, but we read we read the talk so that you didn't have to. And um, yeah, it's just it's always nice to realize that you're out of this and we get angry about it because they're telling this to millions of people. But at least we're not affected by it anymore and we don't believe these things anymore. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing, and it's also important that we continue to call them out on this mm-hmm. because it's there's there's nothing charitable or kind about these messages. It's just based on fear and guilt and shame and just complete privilege and dismissal of everything that yeah. I just yeah, – it blows my mind. And also forcing, you know, people who have – legitimately gone through really hard times in their life to just suck it up and be of good cheer. Like it does so much damage for mental mm-hmm. health. And I say that because I definitely experienced that as a Mormon of just like pushing down all those feelings and emotions that I was going through because it wasn't okay to have anything negative, right? Like you just had mm-hmm. to always be grateful and happy and of good cheer no matter what and it's it's yeah, in your his, head <laughs> in that talk by oaks yeah he just kept saying like no matter what you're facing just be of good cheer they never give anything any type of helpful advice about like seek out a therapist who can help you or ha- learn these mental health coping strategies it's never about that it's about stay closer to us and and have more faith in us, and then just put on a smile, and it'll be fine. (sighs) Which is like, you can only imagine, like, why it's such a, you know, so many Mormons, especially Mormon women, are extremely dependent on antidepressants, and I'm not gonna say that that's a bad thing, because I think that they're, they're very good. I think antidepressants are great, and they help so many people, but it's like they they use those and then they use the other kind of like other um, like opioid drugs too to make themselves mm-hmm. feel better and it becomes a very bad like addictive addictive cycle because they don't feel like they can get help in different ways and it's really tragic so like yeah those types of messages aren't just annoying to us they're actually damaging real human beings yep that was a doozy. That was a doozy. Well, we can uh, wrap it up on that positive note. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listeners, thank you for sticking it through with us. And um, stay tuned. We're getting near our 100th episode. And we're going to do, we haven't quite decided exactly what we're going to do yet. But we'll be doing something fun for that. And, um, yeah, just thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening and have a great blessed week, everyone. (laughs) Bye. Bye.